0: everybody i am glenn the geek from ocala florida
2: and i'm jamie jennings and i'm in norman oklahoma and you're listening to horses in the morning on the horse radio network for january 27th episode 2607 brought to you today by stateline tech good morning horse people
1: it's wednesday morning that means jamie and glenn are back to talk horses with all of you well let's be honest jamie talks horses glenn is just here to hassle jamie enjoy the show
0: Truer words never spoken. (laughs) Thank you for joining us, everybody. We really appreciate you stopping by and being with us here today. We have a fun show planned for you. We're gonna talk a little jumping. You know, the most popular equestrian sport on the English side. Emma is gonna be here. She's the editor of Jumper Nation. We're going to be talking about how the season's going without spectators, uh, what's coming up, how the Olympics are going to go. Are any of the foreign riders here riding now? All those burning questions we're going to get answered. And then Dr. Siemens is going to stop by to talk about something doctory. Uh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Something doctory.
0: Yeah, I don't think we know yet, do we?
2: Uh-oh. Ah, you know what? It's back and forth. We, we, we leave it up to him.
0: Yeah, he kind of just surprises us with what he wants to talk about, because I don't think he can really change Dr. Siemens' mind anyway. I think he's pretty set. And, he, and for those of you that don't know, Dr. Siemens has been coming on our show for years and years and years. So we, And he's best friends with Jamie. Uh, they talk well, all the time.
2: Yeah, I because I call him <laughs> on Christmas Day when I have a sick horse.
0: <laughs> Jamie abuses the relationship, and Doctor Siemens puts up with it. That's basically yeah. What it I don't comes know why. To. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do some daily winnies. Have one auditor birthday today, and that is fellow horse lovers cruiser Celeste Coulter. Happy birthday, Celeste. Missed you, and hopefully, we'll get to go on a trip again together someday. One of these days.
2: In an effort to not fake anything. I would like to give my daily winnie to me because on Monday I had surgery and I really went through it perfectly and amazing. And I'm totally fine now and I'm all back to normal.
0: She hasn't whined once during this recording this morning. Not once. She hasn't even mentioned it, she hasn't even brought it up.
2: Yeah, so... Wonder Woman! Because, actually, the day this airs, I will have had surgery two days prior on my shoulder, and I'm laying in bed right now probably... Slurping down painkillers And all that So we decided to give you guys a real uh, A a show, a new show, a real show Instead of putting a best of So I am not It's it's like a week and a half before I tried to convince
0: her to do it on painkillers But she refused Uh, Yeah, I I don't
2: think the internet
0: Microphone reaches the bedroom So uh,
2: (laughs) yeah, so I'm currently laying in bed right now But we're pretending that this is live um, But it's not I I don't like to fake it, Glenn
0: I know, and, and I know what she feels like because two days after I had my shoulder surgery I was on the recliner and not moving either so uh, do you own a recliner by the way
2: no. You're going to wish no, you did. No, my couch reclines, though. See? Oh, okay, good. That. Well,
0: that's fine. As long as you have a reclining something, because that's where you're going to end up sleeping for a while.
2: <laughs> okay, well, that's that's where I'm at right now. So <laughs> in an effort to be transparent, um, I'm actually not here right now. <laughs> no, she's not
0: here, <laughs> mentally or physically, actually. <laughs> hey, tonight we're going to have our second Stable Scoop round table at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. And being that we're completely transparent, we aren't home either, uh, but we're, I am going to do that live because we're doing live video on that now you can find it on the horse in the morning facebook page or stable scoop or horse radio network in the auditor room we put it everywhere our youtube channel and the first round table went fantastic it was a lot of fun and we got a lot of great comments so another round table tonight i will be doing it from our rv at disney world's fort wilderness campground so let's hope that i have internet and that i can actually get it accomplished i'm I'm thinking disney world should have at least cell phone reception that i can use my uh, cell phone to transmit it. I'm hoping. You
2: never know. You don't I'm have an hoping. iPhone, so anything is possible. Yeah,
0: right. <laughs> so I'm hoping that there'll be Stable Scoop live tonight. If not, I'll be at a Starbucks near Disney World doing it. Um, so that's that's that. Hey, uh, we have a few minutes, and, you know, we're recording this ahead a little. So it's hard to do timely things. But I do have, you, do you like Jim Gaffigan?
2: Uh, Yes, I do. I think he's very funny.
0: How about a few minutes of Jim Gaffigan
1: talking about the Kentucky Derby? Do you want to hear that? Yeah, bring it. ...loves to bet on horses. Every spring we track the three races of the Triple Crown, every spring I always have the same thought. We're still doing this? (laughs) Is Woodrow Wilson president? (laughs) But people love the Triple Crown. The Kentucky Derby where people bet on horses while they're dressed like characters from Gone with the Wind. It's like prom for gamblers <laughs> do you like my hat i'm living in my sister's garage because <laughs> i have a debilitating gambling addiction shall we have another mint julep They was announced the winner of each race on the news you can always tell the horse was named by a guy on his eighth wife the horse is always named like Viagra's revenge <laughs> alimony be Damned. They show a picture of the winning horse on the news. They could show us a picture of any horse, we wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> I don't know what we're supposed to do with that horse image. It's not like we're gonna run into that horse in a bar. <laughs> Excuse me, did you win the Kentucky Derby? I did, I won the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> now I'm in a bar enjoying a invasion. There is the classic photo of the winning horse, right? They're they're always wearing that huge horseshoe wreath of flowers they stole from someone's gravesite. (laughs) Standing next to the winning horse is the owner of the horse, who did not train the horse, did not ride the horse, and based on body language, has never really met the horse. (laughs) There the owner stands, looking like they've never paid taxes. (laughs) Sitting on top of the winning horse is the jockey, who's dressed like he just came from a local pride parade. (laughs) <laughs> they was interview the jockey expecting some insight they're like how'd you win the jockey's like i whipped the horse and it ran <laughs> it's very rare for a horse to win all three races of the triple crown mainly because they're horses and they don't care mostly they just want someone to stop whipping them because they're horses i didn't know this After the Triple Crown, all those horses retire. They retire at the age of three, which feels early. (laughs) They retire, and then they're sent out to stud. Those horses get paid to have sex, which in some ways is better than winning the Triple Crown. (laughs) That's like the quadruple crown. That's gotta be an adjustment for those horses. Like, hey, remember when we whipped you and we wanted you to run? Well, now when we whip you, we're gonna have you do something a little different.
0: Well, there's a little Jim Gaffigan. It's actually about 10 minutes all about horses.
2: I just love when <laughs> horses become a part of the fabric of life. You know, like, I love that. I love
0: and I actually have seen him in some of the coverage. He does go to the Kentucky Derby. He probably owns a horse and probably has never met him. That line was good tax. because you know <laughs> that's true, right? Some of these owners have never seen the horse. <laughs> anyway, that's Jim Gaffigan. You can find the rest of that on YouTube. I'll put a link to it as well. Uh, State love Line Tac. Let's talk about Stateline Tech. Spend, All right, well, spend any money want,
2: lately? Uh, I always spend money, especially at Stateline Tech, especially on Wednesdays when we sit here and we look at the Internet and we see what sales there are on Stateline Tech because there's always a great sale. And, you know, being transparent, it's a week and a half out. I don't want to go to Stateline Tech and pre-shop because there could be, I guarantee, there's a sale right now at Stateline Tech. And being horse people, there are things that you need. Right now, if you go to StatelineTAC, again, um, uh, this is a little early, but I'm not on any painkillers. I can promise you that right now, if you go to StatelineTAC.com, there will be something on sale that you need. Mark my words.
0: And I do know that they have a Valentine's Day sale coming up. So I'm just saying, I do know that.
2: You know what is shocking, Glenn? you know, StatelineTAC puts their Valentine's sale at an appropriate time. But what is amazing is that December 26th, if you walked into a Walmart, it was all things that were designed for you to buy for your sweetheart on Valentine's Day. And I started thinking, isn't that candy a little stale? Don't buy candy. On December 26th for February 14th, go and buy yourself a clearance aisle item on Stateline Tech.
0: There you go, StateLineTech.com and we thank them for their continued support of Horses in the Morning. And... Maybe, maybe not after this, but it's fine. Yeah, no, they'll, still, they'll <laughs> stick with it. And now it's time for Emma Klugman, who's the editor at Jumper Nation. Hi, Emma, welcome to the show.
3: Hey Glenn, how are you? Thanks for having me.
0: Good. So you're the new boss over at Jumper Nation, huh?
3: <laughs> I'm the new boss. Yep. Yep. Um I I was very uh honored to be to be asked to be the editor. I've been writing for them for several months now and, and know the former editor quite well. So um yeah, it's been great to kinda of take over the reins and uh, you know, sort of start growing the audience a little bit more and and providing our readers with news and articles and information. So, yeah, I've I've been having a good time. I have a question before
2: you go on, Glenn. Where are we talking to you right now, Emma? Where are you?
3: I am at my farm in Clarksburg, Maryland, which is about 45 minutes north of Washington, D.C. And on Uh, the farm,
2: are you in an
3: office or are you in the barn? You know what? Right now, it's such a nice day. I'm actually... Sitting outside in my jump field, sitting in the sun because it's so beautiful out. And um, I just got done helping a working student clip some horses. So, yeah, we're kind of juggling as always. But, a horse uh, yeah, girl's work is right never now. done,
2: it's... Glenn. Nope. We finally got a horse chick to sit down for a minute and
0: talk to us. I love it. <laughs> and she's covered in horse hair in all parts, yep. uh, uh, known and unknown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right.
3: I'm glad we're not in the video call. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's now itching everywhere as she's talking yep. to us.
3: <laughs> so oh, I yeah. assume
0: you are a jumper.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I've done um, I've done a bit of show jumping. Um, mostly I'm an event rider, actually. Um, but I, I spent the first few months of 2020 actually working for a show jumper down in Wellington, Florida. And so I got a good kind of view into that world. And I've had, um, you know, a few horses, generally my event horses, I do some show jumping with as well, just sort of as some practice and cross training. But I do have quite a few sales horses, and a lot of those go into the the show world. So, yeah, kind of got a a toe in each pond, if you will. And, um, you know, show jumping as a sport really fascinates me. I think one thing I learned, you know, spending some time in that world, even just from a training point of view, is just, you know, the incredibly uh, small margins there are in that world. I mean, they are in eventing as well, but because we have – three phases in eventing they're sort of spread out across the phases and of course you can make up a little ground you know that's great in the dressage you can make up some ground in the jumping or vice versa maybe your horse is a little slow but it's a great jumper and great on the flat in the jumping world you i mean it, to be competitive um you've got to be unbelievably accurate and good and you know the horses are so good now as well so it's um it's a, it's an amazing kind of sport um, and really, I think, really fun to watch.
0: <laughs> so so uh, w- right now uh, we're in January, and the season's going strong in Florida. And in two locations, actually three locations in Florida right now, we have what, What's Going On in Wellington, and we have two shows going on in Ocala. So there's even more opportunity for jumpers than there ever has been.
3: Oh, yeah. There's... Um... There's a lot going on. There's a lot of options, which I think is really great for the sport because, you know, people can kind of uh, vote with their feet, if you will. They can they can go to the venues that they like and their clients like and, you know, kind of support those horse shows. And obviously there was a bit of controversy around the the whole WIC, um opening with the USCF and all that stuff, but it seems like that, you know, they've reached a little bit of a – an agreement, which is good, Um, and it seems, you know, it's great that there's world-class facilities for these riders and horses to show in, so. And what's kind of nice, too, is they're close enough,
0: for those that don't know Florida, it's a big, long state, but it's about four hours from here. Maybe four to five with a trailer. In
3: Florida Uh, terms, it's pretty close, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So people do go Um. back and forth. There's actually,
0: (laughs) what a lot of people don't know, is that uh, there are private jets that fly back and forth from Ocala to Wellington almost daily with riders in them. Um, Wow. yeah, Yeah, they'll fly up, do their classes here, and then fly back to Wellington, and the horses just, you know, go by commercial carrier back and forth. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. it, or I
3: think some riders even have horses in both locations that they kind of go between. Yep, you so, know they've got a few based up in Ocala and a few. That's no the life, but, right there, man. Yeah,
0: yeah, getting your private jet. Yeah, for forty-five minutes. Honestly, here it in... sounds a bit
3: exhausting, <laughs> but uh, it's not bad when you can go on a jet. Obviously, <laughs> are there any overseas
0: competitors here right now, or has COVID killed that this year?
3: No, there seems to be quite a few. Um, I mean, certainly there's. You know, I was, I was watching a, uh, one of the opening West classes last week and, you know, Derek Henney was there and a few you know, European writers. I think, you know, once once you get to America, it may be honestly a little bit easier to show here than it would be in Europe. Um, and the restrictions in Europe change quite a lot, um, you know, based on what's happening, whereas here. It tends to be more open, particularly in Florida, I think, so you know, it, it may be less risky if you can get your horses over here to do that, um, but obviously we're all kind of uh, living on the edge a little bit in the moment, or, or not totally sure what the future will look like, so I think people just have to, have, you know, plan A, B, C, D, E type of thing, maybe even going down to the Roman numerals, um <laughs> like we did last year but uh yeah there seems to be you know a a good amount of international riders
0: i think the lucky ones got it here uh you're right i do think that the lucky ones got here uh so the qualifiers for the olympics how does that work this year did we start over have we basically reset the clock from last year and we're looking at them afresh
3: you know i can't claim to be an expert on that um I think probably, um, you know, riders and horses have to show form. So um, they may technically be qualified, but if their horse was in super jumping form in June of last year, um, or probably more realistically if we say March of last year, and they were looking good for a team selection spot, you know, they've got to show that sort of form again a year later or, you know, a year and a bit later to be considered. And obviously, in some countries, like in the U.S. and the really competitive countries, it's incredibly hard to to get on the team. Um, In other countries or when people go as individuals, I think there's, you know, uh, it, it can be a little bit easier. But I think the question is, Beyond whether you're qualified, um, which some horses and riders will have to be requalified this year, um, whether you know they're really showing the form to going to going into the Olympic Games, which is a uh, you know it's all about timing, isn't it, with the horses? Yeah. <laughs> it always is. It always um, is. And you and know a lot maybe changes you're... in a
0: year.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you know what people have said a little is it. It kind of depends on the horses that people have it's a real shame if maybe last year somebody had a 16 year old horse who was in fighting form and really experienced and would have been a you know a great anchor on a team and then maybe this year a year older they are a little old um to do it maybe they're not maybe they're fine to do it a year older Um, but it works the other way too i think maybe if someone had a nine-year-old last year who was you know a really spectacular horse, but maybe short on experience a year later they're more mature and it's uh it's an advantage for them, so I think it kind of depends you know on where people are at and for some people, they're probably counting their lucky stars because <laughs> they have a better shot, and other people are probably you know wishing that it could have happened last year because they were you know in a in a good spot so i
0: gotta I gotta tell you yeah. I think one thing that's different this year is we we snuck over to the World Equestrian Center because you're not supposed to have spectators at these shows right now. And uh, we did sneak over there. um, And it it was weird watching jumping classes with nobody in the, in the stands. And, uh, you know, we've all been, well, most of us have been to Wellington at one time or another. uh, And Mm -hmm. we go there, you go there on a Saturday night and the place is packed. You can't find a seat. I mean, there's two thousand five
3: Five thousand oh, yeah. people there. And, it must be like weird covers right covers now. And it's a whole big thing. It's very entertaining. Yeah.
0: It must be weird right now. <laughs> it must be just Yeah, weird. and you
3: know, it, I I wonder. It it would be interesting to ask the riders how they feel because um, certainly in eventing, you know, some people really say that the crowd, you know, lifting them around the course and cheering for them makes a huge difference on the horse and the team and sort of the atmosphere and when you don't have that I mean it's kind of like I guess NBA basketball right now right you don't have all the, the people in the crowd cheering you know you wonder how that affects athletes not only the the riders but you know possibly even the horses I think they all react to atmosphere so it feels a little less real I mean who knows what the Olympics will be like once we get to that point in the year whether there'll be spectators or how many there'll be um but it it does feel different from a, from a sporting point of view. So
0: well, I, one last question and I'll let you go. Um, you know, we all know the names Eric Lamaz and we all know McLean Ward and, and the list goes on of the, of the big name writers. Is there a young upcoming writer that we should keep an eye on that if you had to pick one, who would it be? For the Olympics? No, just in general. Somebody that you know. Oh,
3: is... just in general. Yeah, I think the, the, Olympics, is... Um, yeah, the Olympics is. Yeah, the Olympics
0: is going to be the Eric, Lamar... you know, it's going to be the McLean wards and, and that group. We, we, yeah. yeah, we know who that's yeah. going to
3: be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, he he wouldn't be a a, a no name writer now because he's had he had a lot of excess, success last year and a little in 2019. But I think Brian Mogary, um is. Uh, what what would he be? Maybe like nineteen or twenty. He's very quite young, and he's had pretty significant success. Um, and you know, he was on the Nations Cup team last year in Wellington. So that would be one that I would watch. Um, I think he's he shows a lot of you know maturity in his in his riding. And uh, honestly, it's hard to believe <laughs> that he's that young. But I think that would be um, someone that's kind of challenging the the top guys and and women uh
0: so brian (laughs) mudbury so you're who we all need to keep an eye on then that's your pick for this year i
3: I would keep an eye on him yeah okay but you know the thing about about uh horses and sport is that you know it's basically fair game if you if someone gets their hands on a really good horse and maybe it's a maybe it's just kind of luck or whatever they can they can rock it right up there. So it's kind of a it's an amazing sport in that way. And um, you know, I think there's a lot of young talent which is which is very cool and, and fun to watch.
0: Emma Klugman, uh of Jumper Nation. It's jumpernation.com. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. We'll keep in touch with you as we get closer to the Olympics.
3: Awesome. Thanks so much. Really All right, nice th- to chat thanks, with Emma. you. Go okay, back to clipping bye.
0: horses. <laughs> (laughs) Oh, I could just picture her out there covered in hair and itching. Uh, (laughs) This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Equiderma. Equiderma wound ointment is a must-have in your medicine cabinet. It visibly amplifies wound healing, stops proud flesh from developing, minimizes scarring, reduces pain, and keeps flies out of wounds. You will find that with consistent use, you'll see a noticeable progression of steady healing every day. Plus, it's a great treatment regimen for common skin rashes and sores. Find it all. At and all the different products at equiderma.com. That's all the equiderma products at
4: equiderma.com. Is this is my famous, favorite, famous horse trainer in all of Oklahoma.
2: I, bet, I hope you're recording, Glenn.
4: I did. That, I got that know. under.
2: I do. Okay, good. <laughs> it is. How you doing, my friend? I'm the only horse trainer you well, know in Oklahoma, so it's fine.
4: Well, you're the very best. In a field of mediocrity, you stand head and shoulder above them all. <laughs>
2: Yay. Uh, Play the bumper, Glenn. Let's get started. It's time for the Horses in the Morning Horse Health Report, when our intrepid hosts, together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade, attempt to inform, (laughs) enlighten, or terrify horse owners everywhere into funding a Kickstarter campaign to mass-produce Kevlar-coated, bubble wrap lined equine products yes that is the voice you hear you know very well it's dr madison siemens hi doctor
4: how are y'all doing thanks so much for calling me i love that i love that trailer about uh inform and terrify (laughs) unsuspecting horse population of america yes that's that that fits me to a (laughs) T.
2: it sure does how's life up there and is it a little chilly up there in idaho
4: we've we've had a real mild winter we've only had a couple of light dustings of snow so we've been able to be out playing with the horses on a pretty regular basis
2: how's business this time of year
4: it's it always gets a little bit slow uh the, uh you know when when the weather gets bad you know they they go out there and if old buck comes up to eat his flaky hay he pitched over the fence doesn't have any a lo- lot of his own blood on the outside everybody thinks he's okay so which is good. We we get a chance to to take time for ourselves and and uh, i'm you know I'm always writing and painting and drawing and the Mrs. Dr. Siemens has a, a honeydew do list that's clearly long, but I shall digress.
2: <laughs> <laughs> i uh, the the Mrs. the the Mr. Jamie Jennings also has a a honey do list that's pretty
0: constant. How about you, Glenn? Um, no, I don't have any. I'm fine. I'm good.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's because your wife don't want you to fix anything. No, Just no. Leave it alone. We hire That's people somebody. for
0: that. Yeah.
4: <laughs> there you go. So, Sometimes doctor... a man needs to know his limitations.
0: That's correct, and I've learned mine a long time ago. I'm old enough to know that. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> well, doctor, uh, you guys heard he talks about painting and drawing and writing. He is quite the Renaissance man. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna take the veterinary side of it today and discuss what.
4: I, I was been, I've been interested in some herbal remedies here recently. Uh, I get uh, questions about these kinds of things on a fairly regular basis, and I think people succumb to uh, wanting to do as much as they can for their horses, and, and they kind of fall victim to some advertising, and, and some of this stuff is, is fairly harmless, but some of it's pretty nasty. So we've got to be really, really careful for what we're putting in or on our horses because – uh Sometimes advertising can be misleading. I know it comes as a shock.
2: <laughs> well, if you guys want his opinions on anything, go join Horse Vet Corner because Dr. Siemens is very prolific on that on that Facebook page, and and you will definitely learn some things. Uh, all things, I love perusing that site and seeing what everybody's talking about. But you know, you mentioned that there are some remedies that you actually think work, and I would love to get into those. <clears throat>
4: Well, I, that that would constitute that would constitute me having to mention a brand name cuz there's there's one thing out there that only one company makes. Is that going to be a problem?
2: Uh, I don't think so.
4: Okay. Um uh, we one of the one of the things that we've been battling for a long time now is equine gastroesophageal ulcer syndrome, uh aka ulcers and uh we've been we've been fighting this thing for a long time. Uh we probably it's probably been going on forever and we just couldn't diagnose it until the advent of the of the really long three meter endoscopes we can actually get down into the stomach and look at some of these horses and so a lot of these horses are taking some pretty expensive anti-ulcer drugs Uh, you know Amiprazole is is the one that's being used mostly Uh, but there have been a whole bunch of these all-natural herbal type clay type remedies that have been out there for a long time and bottom line is that nothing you can buy at a feed store is going to help. And if your horse has got an ulcer, you've got a problem. So, the amiprazole has been kind of the go to drug. Purina came out with the product about three years ago. Now, actually, I went to a seminar, it was at the AAEP meeting. I believe it was when it was in San Antonio. And they presented a pretty, pretty extensive uh, line of, of research that they had done trying to figure out what it would take to elevate the gastric pH without a lot of pharmacology. And uh, they came up with a seaweed product and it kind of smells like seaweed a little bit and it's called Outlast, it's a pelleted ration. And uh, you feed a cup of that every time you feed the horse and that will elevate the gastric pH above four, which appears to be kind of the level that we can get so that we don't have ulcers forming. Uh, How those form is, is a whole nother conversation. But I've been really impressed with this stuff, a lot of people I don't think it's a good idea to spend $1,000 a month on a Miprazol in the first place, and it's probably not the best thing to do for the horse. There's, there's things that the proton pump inhibitors do, which is what a is, that may not be in the best interest of any of us. Uh, so if we can get these horses spilled over onto something that's a little closer to natural, uh, I, that really goes a long way to sort of helping these guys. And so I don't know who was it that decided we should mix up some seaweed and see if we can't help a horse with EGUS, but they they did it, and I'm pretty impressed that I have actually I have one of my personal horses that's on that, and uh, i'm I'm really happy with it
2: well, wow. actually, Purina is a has a show on the network, so that works out just fine, doctor. So the Purina outlasts a cup a day. and what are some I know this is no it's a,
4: no, it's, a cu- it's a cup with every feeding
2: oh, a cup with every feeding. And okay. so,
4: so so if you're feeding them twice a day, you' you'd want to do it twice a day. so, it's not you know it's 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 not perfect, doesn't fix all of them, but boy oh boy, if we're just looking at management I've I've really had a had good luck with that and and then a slow feeder uh, it's it's actually the the act of chewing and swallowing develops these buffers in the saliva that will also keep that pH elevated so my personal horse is on a slow feeder and uh and then the outlasting and, and that combination has worked really well for us
2: now this is a, the most loaded question in the world. what are some symptoms? of horses that have ulcers that we can see from just the naked eye? Uh,
4: Two things. It's going to be mostly it's going to be just this horse is kind of off his feet, and they'll have some mild colic-like symptoms periodically that can kind of wax and wane. He can be okay for a while and then not so okay. Uh, That's the biggie. But then the other one that I find very interesting is that some of these horses get pretty cinchy. And so when you when you first start tightening that cinch up, these guys kind of go, "Oh, you know that doesn't feel so good." I've had some horses that were so sensitive that just touching that area with my finger would elicit ears back, head back. You know, hey, what are you doing? And I had I have had a couple that even just getting back there towards their flank would uh, would elicit a, a pretty pretty violent reaction. And so you know, there's two ways to the diagnosis. One would be to the endoscope them, and the second would be treat them for a week and see if they respond. So and I, I don't have an endoscope in my practice. And so some of these horses, I'll either refer them for endoscopy or we'll just treat them for a week. I mean, you can treat them for a week for not a whole lot of money. And if they're going to respond, they will respond with the, any of the acids. I, I start them with a niprazole. I just don't keep them on it for a long time. So if they'll respond to that, by meaning, meaning they're not going to be cinching anymore, they're not going to be reactive when you touch them at their flank. That's a pretty good indication that's what you're dealing with. And then we'll spill those horses over onto onto the outlast and the slow feeder. And I've had, I won't say 100% response, but close to.
2: So if the horses are a little cinchy, they're a little off their feed, and you decide, okay, let's treat them and see what happens and see if these things improve, uh, how long... Like how long should an amiprazole treatment actually be? Because you see online people say, Oh, give them five days two weeks, one month, three months, uh, all the things. But to me, that seems very kind of irresponsible to just post on Facebook. So what in your professional opinion is the time that it takes with amiprazole to cure some ulcers?
4: Well, generally speaking, we're, we're probably not talking about curing anything there's, whatever the physiology or pathology that was involved that started this process to begin with is probably not going away you know we associated that with stress well this horse of mine is on five five acres of irrigated pasture and he gets ridden you know once a month what what kind of stress is that i mean you know but that's but for me i i I like to to use pharmaceuticals sparingly and for as short a period of time as possible and so in in my hands if if I'm pretty sure we're dealing with a EGUS patient, they don't get any of the NSAIDs. They don't get any banamine or any butte. There's some narcotics that we can give them low level narcotics. We can give them for pain. Uh, but the, but the NSAIDs tend to be very, very ulcerogenic. So if you've got a colicky horse and you continue to give him banamine, if it's because he's got an ulcer, you're going to make things a lot worse. So we need to avoid that. And then for me, I just have them on the Miprazole for about a week. And uh, really? you know, I know Merck's gonna be really unhappy when they hear that. But you know, I don't work <laughs> for you. I work for my clients. I work for people like Jamie. And and so if we if we can get them back on their feed, eating with their normal interest, and not and, and an improvement in their sentientness with a week of a we just we just spill them over into the Outlast and the slow feeder. And I I rarely have to go back and retreat a horse.
2: Wow. That's amazing. So the slow feeder is what, like a slow feeder hay net type thing.
4: Yeah. That's, that's the kind I like. It's not, not the hay net with the six inch squares on it. It's a hay net with the, like an inch and a half inch squares. And so the horse really has to work at getting that. Ideally if they can be out on pasture, then that, that's probably what we want to do. But, but again, this horse of mine, he is on pasture. So, you know, you can't, you can't make it, you can't paint these guys with a, with a big wide brush. So, but just the the fact that the horse is chewing constantly in nature, in nature, they're, they're grazing 16 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And so if he can be chewing constantly, then he's going to be releasing those salivary buffers that will elevate that gastric pH to keep it at a more healthy level. Fantastic.
2: Awesome. Well, you know, as always, we love to have you on what, what else is kind of like, up and coming in the world of medicine because you always have your fingers kind of on the pulse of the horse medical world. What else is happening that you've, you've well you've we heard about we, we want to
4: just stay we just want to stay on the on the on the realm of, of nutrition type related things. Uh, we hear an awful lot about probiotics and this is not new. Uh, I, I'm not even really sure if there is a good definition of what a probiotic is uh perhaps it has something to do with with reestablishing normal gut flora that's the bacteria and uh and some uh uh yeast type things that are in the normally in the gut that will aid in digestion so i don't know who first came up with this idea of probiotics or why it was supposed to be helpful but uh recently i mean recently within the last couple three years there's been a lot of studies about whether or not these things really do any good and at this point, the jury's still kind of out on that. Uh, I, I hate saying, well, it can't hurt, because that's not exactly true. One of the studies that I read just recently uh, showed an, one of the one of the bugs that's in these probiotics is something called lactobacillus. And so one of the studies I read recently about gastric irritation and problems with uh, with gut flora is, an elevation in lactobacillus, so we're, we're going to add more lactobacillus in a horse that may have some problems because of that. Uh, that's I, I, I kind of have a problem with some of that. The other thing is that you'll notice that, like for, for example, live culture yogurt. That's probably the best source of these types of bugs that are supposed to be helpful in our digestion in our in our gut biome. Uh, but you'll notice that those are always going to be in the in the dairy case. They'll always be refrigerated. And so, uh, a study, several studies that have shown, uh, there's, I think there's about 300 different products for horses that uh, that call themselves probiotic. And in a study of a number of these that were not refrigerated, that were just they were either flies, which is freeze dried, or just sold at room temperature, showed that they that they had uh, anywhere between zero and only about 50% of the level of the so-called beneficial bacteria that was supposed to be in that package and so that I think that's the problem that I have if they if they come up with a horse product that needs to be refrigerated then I think I'd go a lot I'd be a lot closer to understanding or at least agreeing that that was there was a potential there so like for example on and foals that I have I have on high levels of antibiotics because they're septic or they have some other problems I will generally put them on a cultured yogurt to go with that uh, I'm I'm not convinced that I've saved any lives because of the yogurt. I think it's the antibiotics that are helping these guys. But we try to cover our bases because we don't want to don't want to just totally wreck the the gut biome of these babies, which is just struggling to survive anyway. Is that mm-hmm. uh, regular it, yogurt if, if, or if peach? We you come up with a product, that's go on.
0: Is that regular yogurt or strawberry?
4: Uh, I Vanilla tends to be a little bit <laughs> <Okay>. better palatable. <laughs> <laughs> But it has to be, it has to say, it has to say live cultures, there's the, the cheaper brands actually are, uh, are chemical. And so they, they've, they've put some kind of acids in there to, to basically, uh, uh, cause the, cause the milk products to, to rot in the same way that the bacteria does. So if you've got something that's, that will say live cultures in it, that would probably be okay. okay. And, and the, believe it or not, the vanilla or lemon has worked best for me because it's very palatable
2: so glenn put your strawberry yogurt back in the fridge and take your pony out some lemon brand okay (laughs) that's what they want
4: but the one one thing you can say about the probiotics is that there are no research uh there's no research out there at all to suggest that it does anybody humans or horses any good at all if you're otherwise healthy so to take these products that have been touted on television as helping your gut flora uh, the recent there was a recent study out in the New England Journal of Medicine that shows it didn't do anything. So <laughs> if you like it because it tastes good, go for it. But don't don't think you're helping yourself because uh, most of these things are just sugar anyway. I mean, it's just a little sour milk and sugar is what it boils down to.
2: See, and I, I That's why I they're victim- so good
4: though. That's what I'm talking about. If it says corn syrup in it,
2: do not eat it. Okay. We should know that by now. But it's funny, I fell victim to the, uh, you're premenopausal. You need um, these, you know, probiotics to help that. And so I don't know how, I started taking probiotics about a month ago. So we'll see how it goes so far. I haven't really noticed, you know, all the weight loss they promised hasn't happened. So (laughs) I'll keep you posted.
0: (laughs) But, Dr. Yeah, well,
4: well, your 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 husband will probably be a better a better mark of if it's really helping any kind of psychological things you got going on. Oh, so but she's she's
0: you. on no beer uh, January, so she's grumpy anyway this month. Yeah, uh, that's yeah true. Yeah,
4: that's, that's... <laughs> drink, drink your beer. There's sober people in Africa. Come on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and with that, Dr. Where can people find you and your book?
4: Well, actually, the, the the this edition of the book is sold out, but uh, the new edition is coming out in 21. Trafalgar Publications purchased it, so it will be uh, marketed internationally. I think they're going to translate it in Spanish and German, and uh, I don't know if they're going to have a Texas version coming out or not, so my friends can read it. But uh, you, you can you can see me at Horse, Horse Vet Corner, which is a Facebook page. Uh, my personal website is CornerstoneEquine.com with one E between Cornerstone and Equine. You know, we generally have some new stuff in there all the time, some rantings and ravings and thinking out of the box, you know.
2: Wonderful. Well, as always, it is such a pleasure to talk to you and to have you come on. We really appreciate it.
4: Well, and I also appreciate you. You give me some really great advice about some join-up techniques the last time I talked to you, and that really did help us a bunch. I really appreciate it. Oh, wow. Good.
2: See, Glenn, it's not just me calling him <laughs> on Christmas Day. He calls me, too. <laughs> and,
0: I'm glad to see you're I'm giving not... back, Jamie. I'm glad to see you're doing something <laughs> for the doctor. I was so
2: happy when you messaged me. I was like, yes, I get to help him. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna,
4: we're gonna be We're going to be, once we start on the book tour, which is going to be in 21, we're going to load our horses up. and Annette wants to buy a living quarters trailer, and we're going to take a little book tour through the country. And take our horses with us. So one of the places we're definitely coming to is Oklahoma. So oh uh, we want we want to ride with you. We want to ride with you, Jamie.
2: Oh, it'd be so fun! I love it. I love everything about that. You just let me know. I'll be here.
4: We'll do it. All,
0: All right. right. Thanks. thanks love thanks you. Mean it. Well, there you go, and I think we have to do a disclaimer that uh, the opinions of our guests are the opinions of our guests. Uh, so if you're, uh, if
2: your you, horse like strawberry yogurt. By God, that's give right. Him if my pony loves <laughs>
0: strawberry yogurt, so. Uh, <laughs> I I think that we should do one more thing before we wrap up the day. Oh boy! While you're laying on on the recliner with your arm up, well, I'm actually not here. Pain medicine and you know all of that. I think we should do one more thing. What do you think? Let's go. I mean, it wouldn't be Wednesday if it wasn't Weird
2: News. So I've got to start by taking you guys to San Francisco because you're never gonna believe what popped up in San Francisco on Christmas Day.
0: I'm just happy we're not in. Uh, we're, we're, I'm just really happy we're not in Florida.
2: Well, there's another monolith. Glenn. Again? But they really think that it was put there by Santa Claus because it's a seven foot tall gingerbread monolith that mysteriously appeared in the San Francisco park. But um, witnesses are reporting the texture and smell of the monolith (laughs) panel seem to be a real thing. It's decorated with frosting and gumballs and (laughs) it's fantastic. And local um, uh, law enforcement, all the people are like, you know what? We're going to leave it. It's cool. It's just making everybody feel good. But yeah, like even the... It looks like somebody put together a gingerbread house in the shape of a seven-foot-tall monolith. Would we expect any
0: less from San Francisco?
2: (laughs) I mean, God (laughs) bless them. The San Francisco Recreation and Parks Department General Manager Phil Ginsburg responded with, wow, even makes a Jewish park director smile. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're gonna go to Arizona now. We're making our way across the country. And this time, uh, there's some pretty good photos and videos of authorities in Arizona who are currently trying to identify the owner of an animal that was found next to a highway where it was suspected to be abandoned. It was left there with a cup of water uh, spotted running loose on US 89 between Flagstaff and Cameron. And uh, the Arizona Department of Public Safety had to send troopers out to rope the pig. That's right. Somebody left, and they believe it to be abandoned. A ginormous pot-bellied pig (laughs) on the side of the road, and um, yeah, they had to lasso it and guide it into a kennel, and it was then taken to the Coconino Humane Association.
0: (laughs) We hear, you know, you hear about loose about kittens dropped off at the end of driveways of farms, but not too often do you see a pig.
2: That's not a, not a common thing. No, no.
0: not common. Maybe
2: in it's Oklahoma. not like you pull over you like,
3: here, come here pick, pick.
2: All right, well, now we're going to go to England. And, uh, you know, this was a couple days before Christmas. I'm just getting caught up on some of the weird news because uh, listeners have been submitting it to me for so long that I finally got back and went back in the annuals of weird news and found that on Christmas Day, Shauna Roberts, 34, she was in her kitchen and she was making Brussels sprouts. And she called over her children, Jack and Michael, 14 and 10, to show them the discovery that she made. Do you know what was on the bottom of her Brussels sprout, Glenn?
0: I don't know.
2: Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's right. Jesus' face was on the bottom of the Brussels sprout. And so she put it aside. She's like, I can't cut up Jesus and bake him, obviously. So she put him on the shelf. And in a couple hours, she realized, she said, I thought it was funny. But then it was even funnier because I looked up and I couldn't tell if it was Jesus or Johnny Depp. (laughs) He started to turn into Johnny Depp, and she said to her friends, I wish for Don Johnny Depp for Christmas, and I found him at the bottom of a Brussels sprout.
0: <laughs> well, they're not worth eating, so at least there's something they're good for.
2: <laughs> I love them. <laughs> okay, okay, this one's pretty gross,
0: <laughs> but we're going to head to Russia. Do you love Brussels sprouts? I've never met anybody who loved Brussels sprouts. I, I never people lo- who ate them- Brussels sprouts because they were there. But... I
2: make them like twice a week. It's just all about how you cook them. Our mom has boiled them or took them out of a can, Glenn, and that's that's a terrible way. You got to roast them with some balsamic reduction and Parmesan cheese. Then they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, carrying on. We are going to head to Russia because there's a man who they 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 haven't released his name, but he had to go into surgery. He wouldn't be
0: able to say it anyway. So
2: that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um. He lived for 50 years and at some point he just realized, you know what? I, I can't breathe out of the left oh, side. Do of my I want nose. to hear
0: the results of this surgery? <laughs> oh, la 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 la
2: la 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 When he wedged a coin into his nostril.
0: That's better than a bug. And
2: he was (laughs) too scared to tell his strict mother about it and later, quote, forgot about it. How do you
0: forget you put a coin in your nose?
2: Uh, he apparently managed to live the next 50 years unimpeded <laughs> by the blockage, but then recently started complaining he could not breathe out of that nostril. And then so he went to a hospital and was given a scan, which showed an object in the nasal package passage. Now, it's almost like turned into a pearl where, like, these stones in the navel cavity formed around the coin, which eventually oh constricted his ability to breathe. And they removed it. And there's photos very in they didn't have to show they said they operated on him friday and he was discharged on monday and he's now regained full nasal breathing but this like took me down a rabbit hole And did you know that steve easton from surrey had a sneezing fit with the tip of a toy dart shot out his nose <laughs> he put it up there at age seven his parents took him to the hospital but they were unable to remove it and he forgot about it and then he suffered headaches how do these people uh, forget
0: that there's a dart in your nose how do you forget that
2: he said he was completely unaware the dart had been stuck in his nose for 44 years his parents (laughs) didn't remind him that when he had chronic headaches for 40 years that maybe it has to do with the dart dart that was up your nose (laughs) and there's (laughs) And then it, clicked, it gives you all these links to click on of other people that had things up their nose for like a really long time. And I, I just couldn't take it anymore. So I ended it with that. That's your weird news.
0: Boom. We're done. My brother didn't have the nose. He had the ear. He actually had a bee go into his ear and into the ear canal and ended up in the hospital for hours till they could get it out. And it's so much pain. He thought he was going to die.
2: Oh, that sounds like the worst thing ever. But my brother did put a Tylenol up his nose, I remember. And my mom had to get it with toothpicks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, (laughs) we're going to call it a day because Jamie, the painkillers are kicking in. She's feeling (laughs) lousy. uh, And she really wants to go back to sleep now with her shoulder in a cast. Uh, Farewell. I I feel for you today. I really do. I really do.
2: Even though I'm not really there, Mm. actually, my shoulder really hurts even just sitting here talking about it. So I feel like I do need a painkiller. So I'm going to (laughs) go down.
0: All right. No post show today, guys, uh, because, you know, Jamie's on painkillers. So, and we don't know what she's going to say. So we can't trust her.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This is
2: becoming very real.
0: (laughs) Hey, tomorrow is the sales and breeding episode. Kale is not on painkillers, as far as I know.